What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 124 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and I'm joined this week by John Cartwright. No Andre or Ash, as they're just not available at the moment, but uh, hopefully next week, maybe, perhaps, I, I wouldn't put money on it, but <laughs> we'll see what happens. Anyway, how are you doing, John? I'm doing pretty good. And yeah, it has been a while since we've had uh, Andre and Ash on here. Um, th- that's that's uh, not their fault. They've got stuff going on. Um, but hopefully we'll have an entire reunion at some point soon. Hopefully it's sooner rather than later. But, <laughs> yeah, um, sometime before the end of the year. <laughs> right. And I, I do think now that um, those Smash discussions are coming to an end, it's probably more likely that we'll get those guys in. Because uh, we're going to we're gonna have to do something to fill that time that we usually do during those, um, doing those discussions. So, mm. yeah, fingers crossed that helps out a bit. I have a feeling it will, and... Because I can tell you from experience, like it's either Andre or I who've edited those discussions. Mostly Andre, though I've done probably a third of them, uh, mm-hmm. and they are like they are way more intensive uh, to edit than any other discussion we do because we change up the music constantly. We always have to make make sure that there's a relevant image on the screen. Like I'm, like we were talking about all the uh, hype moments. So I'm like, oh crap, I got to go back through and find all the trailers where we're talking about this stuff, and I got lazy on a few bits where we went back and forth in a few things. I'm like, eh, we'll just fudge it a little bit, but it's still just one of those things where it's, if you wanted to have that quality up, which I feel we like we need to for those smash discussions, it definitely takes a lot longer. And I didn't get to bed until last night until like 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. And you were up yeah, till so like Derek 2 a.m. sleepy today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were up till like 2 a.m. to do that last one, weren't you? That's true, yeah. Um, yeah, t- time zones suck sometimes. Um, <laughs> we, we shot it in the evening, or in the afternoon, in um, in American time. So, yeah, I had to be up until 2, which I I, I kind of need to practice for, though, because the Game Awards are coming up, and they are also at 2 o'clock. So oh, God. Um, I need to try and stay up for that, too, because I, I have a feeling they're probably going to have some big reveals, because last year was Bayonetta 3, um, and the year before that, I can't remember, but I'm sure it was big. So yeah, I need to practice staying up for that. So um, not not really not really a wasted uh, nights really. No, no, it, it's. I know you're already having some fun on your Twitter. <laughs> with yeah, uh, <laughs> I the had game like um, yeah, like five hours to kill. I was like, what do I do? Um, so I just <laughs> <laughs> just did some random tweets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I I don't know. I enjoyed them, but yeah. I, the funny thing is, the one of the reveals I remember most at the Game Awards was. Nintendo showing off Cranky Kong playable in Tropical Freeze. Oh no, yeah. I don't think Jeff knew. I think Reggie just came in saying, like, I've got a big reveal for you, Jeff. And Jeff's like, all right. And then, because you can see his face, like, during the actual Cranky Kong reveal, he's like, is this it? Is this seriously what he brought to the Game Awards? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh crap, um, I'm not as respected as I thought. (laughs) But the Game Awards have grown a ton since then. Like, I I think um, that Cranky Kong reveal was in some studio. Whereas um, the Game Awards now is all live on stage, and um, there are so many like giant publishers that are joining in with the Game Awards. And we have the, the Russo brothers, the uh, Avengers um, producers. They're they're actually they're going to be appearing in the oh, Game wow. Awards. So it, it seems like this is going to be this big like cultural phenomenon where everyone just sort of comes along and just watches this awards show. And uh, uh, Jeff Keighley is really the only guy that could pull this off. Like I can't think of anyone else who could have done this kind of production. And uh, I don't agree with everything they're doing. I mean, I've, I've voiced my opinions on some of the award categories uh, before. <laughs> but um, it's super ambitious. And, uh, yeah, it, it's crazy how much they've grown year after year. And I, I really do expect there to be some big announcements here. 
Yeah. There will definitely be... I mean, they, they said they have like 13 new announcements or 13 new games to show off, which is quite impressive to have that many premieres, uh, that many people watching. It's just they need to fix the re- the awards portion of the show. Like, that's always been mm-hmm. the weakest part. It's, it's just always felt like another advertising push, which, fine, but, like, the fact that they skip over, like... And, uh, you know, they, the fact they come back and say, these awards went to this this game, this game, this game. It's like, cool? Like, what? Like, this is a chance to show off people some of the best games of the year. Give them a chance to see it. That It always frustrates me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, there's especially some games that, um, like, Xenoblade 2 for 1 should have made the cut for best soundtrack or best RPG at the very least. I'm not saying it should have won. I mean, I, I probably, I probably would have given it a vote, but mm-hmm. it should have at least been a nominee. And then you got games like Tetris Effect, which um, should have been in the best soundtrack category too, because that the soundtrack for that game is phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I, I guess releasing in like November and December is kind of like the, the the death kiss for for these games. Which is weird um, because some of the biggest games of the year comes out in November, December. Uh, like right, they're missing out on yeah. Smash. Because of this. Exactly, yeah. And you know, games like Red Dead, uh, I'm sure if they were a lesser game, they probably wouldn't have made the cut. But because it's Red Dead, of course it's going to be included. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think Red Dead's included in, like, four categories. It's in the soundtrack category, and the game of the year category, and the action game category. Um, so that, that that's no doubt going to win a ton of awards. And I guess it kind of deserves it. It's a huge game, huge undertaking. But I, I do wish they'll just give a few more games, you know, the attention they deserve, though. Yeah, it really needs it and i like i haven't played a lot in any of red dead myself but just watching it get played it's like eh, it just didn't hook me and for some whatever reason the original red dead redemption i was totally sold on but there's nothing about this one that's pulling me in nothing Mm. uh, seems worth me dropping the money for it granted i don't have really the time but there you know there's it just isn't there and I, i don't quite understand it yeah, I, I've also not played Red Dead 2 yet, and just like you, I love the first game, but I've been put off a little bit, because some people say, um, apparently the controls are really weird, so like, shoot and talk are apparently the same button, which sounds like, <laughs> that sounds like that would have a lot of um, really bad situations, like you try to talk to someone and just end up killing them. Um, and uh, apparently also, like, animations kind of take priority over controls sometimes, so maybe it's the kind of game where it's like it, it looks fantastic in present um, presentation wise, but um, the controls don't or, or the gameplay doesn't always take priority. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, that that sounds like that could very well be possible. I've, I've still got to play it myself, obviously, but mm-hmm. um, I don't I'm, just... I'm sure it's great in a lot of respects. But there there, right. there, do, there are certain parts of Red Dead Two that kind of worry me. Well, the fact that the game portion of, the, of this game is like the least impressive part, like like I think that should disqualify you from getting game of the year like I, I i think i will be a little irked if red dead 2 earns game of the year yeah i think i will too i i voted for um the game awards i chose celeste which i think out of all those games uh definitely deserves it because it's it's uh 100 gameplay orientated and its gameplay tells a story too like not just the narrative of the game but um the struggle against all these um all these circumstances and challenges it, it, it's a game that speaks to um, like the gameplay speaks to depression in a sense, and mm. so does the narrative too. But it all just comes together really well and has this great message. Uh, and that and the game's just really fun. Um, so I think if any game deserves game of the year out of that selection, I think it's Celeste. 
but I don't think it's going to win, though. <laughs> Probably not. Hype is what gets that one, but it's uh, the way it goes. But, um, yeah. What else have you been up to beyond uh, waiting for Game Awards? Um, so I finally finished Dragon Quest VIII. I mentioned last week that I, um, <clears throat> I picked it up again. So basically I started playing it last year and uh, stopped playing when the Switch came out. But I got to the point where there's this demonic dog uh, I'm not going to spoil too much. There's this dog that gets a bit demonic. And then I just kind of put the game down. And then I picked it back up again, like, last week. And uh, I had no idea what I was doing. But um, after a few hours, I kind of found my bearings, and I was back in this world again. And I, I wasn't far from the end at all. Like, it took me, like, eight hours to finish this game. <laughs> um, I, I must have had, like, a, a 30 to 35-hour save that I picked up back from. So I finished around 43 hours in, I think. Um, but... Uh, I, I I was very lucky at certain points because there's there's some bosses like leading up towards the end, and um, I made my way through those just by sort of using status effects on the bosses and um, like buffing my way through. But when I came up to the final boss, um, he would kill me in one hit with some of his attacks. Oh, geez. so I, I was clearly very underleveled and had I didn't have the right armor, so I just spent a while just like walking around the world, going to casinos, um, doing all the mini games, and um, that's where I just found this respect for Dragon Quest VIII. Like, there's so much to do in here, and it's very easy to lose yourself in the world. And uh, one thing I love about Dragon Quest is grinding is very easy, like because you have metal slimes and king metal slimes. So if you want to go up a few levels, just find like there's this is one hill which has just um, king metal slimes spawning everywhere. Oh wow! So it's it's very easy just to sort of go up a few levels if you need it. So it kind of respects your time in a sense. Um, but yeah, it, it's just great coming back to this game. So I've heard so many great things about Dragon Quest VIII, and I loved it when I started playing it. But uh, for some reason, just stopped. But, and I kind of regret that, because I, I um, had a brilliant time with it. And it ends on such a great note, too. Oh, um, awesome. And this was a 3DS version as well. So uh, there are some quality of life improvements, like um, all the enemies on the overworld, rather than uh, being random encounters. Uh, I do kind of wish it was on the Switch, though. Like, it's, it's a beautiful <laughs> game, and the 3DS kind of compromises that in some ways. Yeah. It would be kind of cool if the 3DS ports got ported themselves to the Switch. <laughs> I'd be kind of, I'd be all over those those games. I'd be all yeah, for it. I mean, especially with uh, Square doing like Final Fantasy seven, eight, and nine. What well, they did, Dragon Quest seven, eight, and um, well, I'm not uh, sure what else they'll do. I guess some of the uh, some of the mobile ports because I think Dragon Quest uh, four and five and six were on DS, yeah. and I think they're on mobile too. Yeah, uh, I believe there's. I know there's one aspect because I'm. I'm friends with uh, Ted uh, over at Brain Scratch and he's a massive Dragon Quest fan fan, and I've played a little bit of 4 and it always feels like there's like the characterization is missing and he explained the reason for that is because in the DS version you know how you can talk to your party members at any time like you just chat with them and you'll get little comments about what just happened or what you're doing and whatnot, and you get a little sense of the character's personality um Mm -hmm. That they took out that feature in Dragon Quest IV uh, for the DS because they, they, they didn't want to translate all that dialogue and they just sort of cut it. And so you lose all this characterization that you would have had otherwise for these characters. And the mobile ports uh-huh. actually have that. So that's actually a point in the favor, point in favor of the mobile Dragon Quest IV. I think 5 and 6 on the DS does have it back in at that point, but 4 definitely doesn't. And, like, when you're going through with these characters, like, playing with... Like, starting out the game and you're playing as these characters, and every time you can take control of the character, they don't talk. They talk later whenever you're, you know, doing other things, but when you're controlling them, 
always the silent protagonist and it's hard to get connected with them because there's nobody else to talk to and really get a sense of what your character is. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what I would have done with Dragon Quest VIII if it, if it didn't have that party feature. Because when I picked it up, I had no idea where I was going. And you talk to the party and they kind of they remind you what just happened in the story. Um, and it'd be very hard to just jump into Dragon Quest IV like that if they don't tell you what's going on. Mm. I'd have no idea what I was doing. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of an essential feature for uh, not just characterization, but also reminding you what's actually going on in the story. Because um, Dragon Quest games are very traditional. They don't have waypoints. They don't have markers on a map. You always have to sort of use your intuition and uh, explore the world um, with your own knowledge. Um, which, yeah, I, I appreciate that, but yeah, without without those little prompts, that's kind of very hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as I said before, the Dragon Quest is one of those series I just want to go back through and play as many entries as I can. Uh, just because mm. it, it's just a brilliant series. Every time I play it, I enjoy it immensely. It's just I'm bad at finishing the, finishing them, so <laughs> I need to actually do that. Uh, with a few mm-hmm. of these games. Yeah, there's a Builders 2 demo coming out in five days in Japan. I don't think we're getting it... Um, there's no English version to my knowledge, but uh, I think I'm going to pick that up. I'm going to give it a little bit of a go, because Builders is surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Oh, um, yeah. I played that on Switch earlier in the year, and uh, yeah, it really surprised me. I, I'm not I'm not a Minecraft fan at all. Like, I, I play Minecraft and I just get bored. But Dragon Quest Builders is has this um, this structure... And um, that just sort of like makes you keep going. Like there's a story that you care about, and it gives you these objectives that sort of incentivize you to build rather than just building whatever you want. And you can build whatever you want, but that's not really the uh, the purpose of the story. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm gonna give Builders two a go, and um, I, I'm pretty sure that's been confirmed for localization for 2019 as well. So I think it has yeah. because I picked up Builders on PlayStation Four and just got sucked into it. It was just like because I'm exactly like you, like your backstory with Minecraft, same as the same as mine. But having that story, having having those objectives, pushed me forward, and I, I would find myself like looking at the aesthetics of my house, uh, my little villages that you build, and be like, oh man, I got to just completely redo this. This isn't this isn't up to code. I got to like get this just right and yeah i just found myself just diving into it so i'm pretty excited for builders too uh and just how, seeing what it has to offer how do you feel about the boss battles in builders where they just kind of t- like tear apart your village oh yeah that was always uh, a little a little <laughs> um Unfortunate, like that you really want to do your best to keep your village intact as best as you can, uh, so mm-hmm. you don't have to rework it because you're basically done after you beat the boss with that section, so you don't really have to worry about it. But I always did find myself sort of rebuilding everything to get it back up to where it was. So I was like, yeah. okay, I feel good. <laughs> it did add a, like a lot of tension to it though, because like this is a final stand, and like everything you've worked towards is just being torn away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like it in that respect, but yeah, it's also just like, oh no, I spent so long building this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh man, and I I still remember like getting to each area. I mean, I mean, the first time you complete a chapter and the next one you start the next one and you have to basically start from scratch again it's a little bit deflating but then you get into the groove and you're like okay this is what they're going for this this works out this makes sense and then you get to that final chapter and where it's everything's desolate it's so hard to build anything and i'm like mm-hmm. wow they just mastered the oppression with this like it it took a good long while until you actually got a base too you were just yeah. scraping by yeah <laughs> That's some really nice twists in Builders as well. Like there's um, each chapter takes place in different areas, and you find uh, new NPCs in each one. 
And yeah, there are some surprising turns they take. Like, uh, I don't want to spoil anything here, but there's just some really uh, great little twists in Builders. So I hope Builders 2 has similar stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the, the demo for Builders 1 was quite meaty as well. I'm pretty sure you could just sort of spend a while in that world. So yeah, Builders 2 is probably going to have quite a lot going on on the 6th. Uh, I do think Smash is probably going to undermine it maybe <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. A bit, but that's, uh, that's the way it goes. Smash is going to undermine a lot of things, I think. Fortunately, not a whole lot releases in December, and uh, the games I reviewed uh, this week uh, fortunately come out before Smash. I believe they come out on Tuesday. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, if the Persona 3 and 5 uh, dancing games uh, released, I was able to get my hands on them, and yeah, they're just as addictive as... Four, but as I noted in my review, I think Four's soundtrack is a little bit more conducive to this genre than either Five or Three. Three is a little bit better about it, but I'm also not too familiar with Three, so I'm wondering if that ties into my uh, feelings on that. But I also never finished Four, so I wonder. Like, so I have to imagine like that can't be the case. Like, I finished Five. I love Five soundtrack, but not all the songs work the best for this style of game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Four, Four's my favourite soundtrack, but yeah, Four's also my favourite game in the series, so maybe I am biased there. <laughs> but uh, I see what you mean, though. Um, Four has a lot of, uh, I guess, more upbeat tracks, and also some more mellow tracks, whereas Five is, I guess, a bit more jazzy. Um, and maybe that doesn't really work for, you know, the actual dancing. And I guess Three has a lot of rapping, which maybe not doesn't work quite as well either. Uh, but either way, um, the actual uh, like uh, dancing interface and the actual controls and all the gameplay in this game, they work really well. I, I was playing um, uh, Persona 4 Dancing Online not too long ago, like the other week, I think, and uh, it's, it's just really fun. Like it's, 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 You don't expect this kind of game to, have, uh, to be as fun as it is, <laughs> but it just works. Mm, absolutely. It's like I don't get into rhythm games at all, but just having that simple six buttons tap them in rhythm it's clean interface and doesn't get too complex even as you go to harder harder difficulties like that was the fun part of playing dancing all night initially was just starting out on easy working my way to get my legs uh, like ability up to normal mastering normal and then like okay i'm gonna try out hard and actually getting pretty decent at hard and i was like okay and i actually cleared a few songs on the insane difficulty and like that felt good i've lost some of those skills in my transfer over to uh these games because it's been a while um but i was still able to like i didn't even bother with easy this time around i just went straight through normal and had no problems uh hard still pretty tricky though but i can manage for the most part but it's it's one of those things where you want to keep that combo going and man it for whatever reason it drives you so much to just get those that combo that lasts throughout the entire song like i want it so much <laughs> mm-hmm not to be that guy, but I do kind of wish it was on Switch. Yeah, <laughs> like it's 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 funny that Atlas is still releasing Vita games. Um, not just not just these dancing games, but also there's uh, a re-release of Catherine coming out, which is PS4 and Vita. <laughs> yeah, and it, I just feel like these kind of games would be brilliant for Switch, especially they're doing Shimigami Tensei Five for Switch. Um, we haven't heard about that game in a while, but I, I just wish that Atlas would start doing a few more Switch games. And uh, these Persona games, these these dancing spin-offs just feel like they'll fit in really well. Yeah, they would. Just plug in your headphones and go. Like, I actually 
picked up the same headphones that Ash has been using for his PlayStation 4 and used those with the game, and oh, it sounds so good. Like, it was it was great to be able to just pop those on and lose yourself to the music and just enjoy what it has. Like, it was a worthwhile purchase. But you're right. It's like, it feels like Atlas really missing out something, at least do a port of Persona 3 and 4 to the Switch. Like, you can manage yes. 5, but even 3 and 4, people would be really excited about. At least 4. Like, you've milked the hell out of 4. Give it to the Nintendo <laughs> owners on the Switch. Like, they would kill for it. I'd absolutely love that. The, the Switch is kind of becoming the home of all these classic games. Like, we have um, we have Resident Evil 4 on the way. We have Okami on there. We have these Mega Man games. It just feels like it's becoming this paradise of these legacy titles. Um, so yeah, I'd love for there to be you know Dragon Quest ports, Persona ports. Just bring it all, like port everything. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so I, I, don't I, I don't know if there's any like PlayStation contracts going on. I don't think so though, because like, Persona Q and Persona Q2 use the um, Persona uh, three, four, and five characters. So yeah, I, I wouldn't think they're 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 exclusive. But yeah, who knows? Yeah, I'm not sure how that all works out, but. And nonetheless, I mean, both are fun games and well worth picking up. And the story mode is definitely not as uh, lengthy to get through <laughs> this time around. <laughs> uh, just a little short story links, which, you know, gets you a sense of the characters, have some fun little interactions and move on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I've uh, also jumped back into Mario Tennis Aces a little bit. So um, I did the I did a few videos for it earlier, just showing off the new characters, which I think were P.T. Piranha and Shy Guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't realize how much they've overhauled the online. They um, Not only are there new characters now, because there's, there's a ton of new characters, but they've also changed how the tournaments work. So when it launched, uh, when I did the review, basically uh, you have like you have a free play mode where you can just like do whatever you want. You can muck about with all the uh, the regular courts. You can do some like hazards. But when you did tournament, which is basically where you get like your score and uh, and you earn like uh, rewards for playing. You could only play in the default stadium, which is the Ultra Smash Stadium, mm-hmm. and that got very repetitive after a while. But with this new update, they've made it so you can basically play on any court in tournament mode, and that that alone changes a lot of stuff. Uh, but they've also added co-op as well, so you can um, oh. you can do local co-op. So my fiance and I were playing um, together on the same Switch against other people online in tournament mode, uh, and that that really changes a lot of stuff. And it's like they've 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 kind of pulled an arms here. Where they um, they have this this kind of vanilla launch package, but as time goes on, they add new characters, they add new modes, and they really make it a lot more interesting. Uh, only I don't think people are really acknowledging this though. Like, no no one really talks about Mario Tennis Aces anymore, unfortunately. But uh, they have, they really have made some strides though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember people talking about it quite a bit when it first launched, but then it just sort of disappeared. And it, I've you know we've seen it, of course, with all the new characters they've been adding and whatnot. And I didn't pick it up myself because. I, I I have trouble getting into the Mario sports titles that just like I can play them for a little bit and enjoy them but that's always been a sort of thing like go to a friend's house and enjoy it there and then okay I, I got my fill don't mm-hmm. really need to buy it myself and master it I can just have fun with a friend and that's all I need yeah I'm usually like that I think Aces I, I loved the um, the zone meter mechanic I think they made it really arcadey uh, kind of like this fighting game layer over it but yeah, with, with, I'm kind of with you for most Mario sports games. Like, I love the Strikers games, uh, mostly because they are so different to other football games. Uh, I get so bored playing FIFA or anything <laughs> like that. But Strikers, it just has this really awesome 
um, arcadey layer over it, and it is also a very weird, violent art style for Mario <laughs> too. Like they never looked like this before, but they 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 absolutely nail it. And um, they, I think characters like Daisy kind of got her personality in Strikers, like this sort of tomboy personality, which is something they kind of carry over to other games too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I I, I, I kind of want to see more Mario Sports on Switch now. Because it feels like they're they're kind of going out of their comfort zone with a lot of these spin-offs, and they're not just doing like the uh, the usual um, uh, sort of repetitive nature with their spin-offs now. Like each one of them has something unique. Like uh, Aces has you know the slowdown features. Mar- Super Mario Party has all these modes. Um, yeah, so hopefully this is sort of the golden age of of Mario spin-offs. But I yeah. suppose we'll have to wait and see for that though. I'm expecting Mario Golf next, to be honest. Like it's it has to be yeah. it's it just makes sense and well speaking of uh, Mario Tennis Aces let's go ahead and just jump right into our news topics as uh, the, speaking of that game uh, they announced the next three characters coming coming to it and that includes Luma Boom Boom and Pauline and <laughs> Pauline is what makes this notable because we never talked about this before but it's really good to see Pauline getting thrown into the mix with all these all these size. Uh, side Mario games like yes put her start putting in Mario Party start putting her in Mario Golf or what have you like this is perfect for like this is a perfect time for Pauline to have a renaissance after Odyssey mm-hmm. and if you go back to our, uh, our Mario Tennis discussion I think it was me uh, Andre and Roger and basically all of us were like yes add Pauline in throw in every single spin-off have a new donk court um, we were kind of expecting her to be in the base package and that didn't happen um, and if you look at all of our Mario Tennis videos, a lot of them have kind of declined lately. I think that's because Mario Tennis Aces is just kind of, like, it's had its time. Mm. Then you look at the trailer for Pauline, and there's like 190,000 views on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So maybe what they need is just like this kind of, like this twist, like, and Pauline's it. And yeah, I hope Pauline's in every spin-off from now on. I hope she's in Mario Golf, I hope she's in... Um, in uh, in Mario Strikers, I hope she's in all these spin-offs because she deserves it. And it's kind of a shame she's not in Smash, to be honest. I know she's in the new Donk stage, but uh, she could have been a really cool new fighter. I'd prefer her to Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you got that both. I mean, it'd be awesome to have a match between Mario, Pauline, and DK. <laughs> Just have that, oh, yeah. that sense of it. Uh, I I think it'd be a lot of fun. But I I see. Mario Odyssey is definitely a turnaround for that character. I feel like she's going to just start popping up a lot more now. In the same way that Rosalina became the standout character in uh, uh, Galaxy, yeah, Pauline's going to be the same way. And, Mm -hmm. yep, I mean, they got these four Uh, great female characters uh, to go from now. mm Mm-hmm. I do wonder if she'll be added to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, because we had um, Breath Mm -hmm. of the Wild Link added in not long ago. Um, I... I don't think we've had any other pre-launch characters, sorry, post-launch characters. Uh, maybe some skins for a few of them, but it'd be really cool if they just sort of add in a few more characters into that game. But then again, they, they might be waiting for a sequel of that, so I'm not entirely sure how they're going to operate with Mario Kart. Yeah, exactly. But, um, I'm not sure if like Mario Kart 9 is going to be on the Switch or they're waiting for the next one. I have a feeling they're probably going to put it on the Switch. It just makes the most sense to me because Mario Kart is always a be- big seller, and to have another one on the Switch... It just makes a lot of sense, and yeah, put Pauline in there. Have a new Donk stage, <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, course. I mean, that'd be a ton of fun, especially if you have the anti-grav mechanics of Mario Kart Eight still in there and going like up buildings and whatnot. <laughs> that'd be really cool. Um, I would like to see a RPG, maybe maybe like Paper Mario, maybe Mario and Luigi, 
but just some some RPG that gets really creative with these characters, and maybe even have like an RPG where you play as Peach and Pauline, um, and just sort of have this sort of this sort of interaction that we don't usually see. Uh, maybe have like the, the two Mario the um, like Mario's ex girlfriend and his current sort of love interest, <laughs> uh, just sort of working together to do something. Um, so it feels like they are building a foundation for Pauline, and I'd love them to explore that just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it'd be I, I kind of like that idea of like just like a Mario RPG like Princess Battle where it's just like you have your party of four with Peach, Daisy, uh, uh, Rosalina, and uh, Pauline, and uh, you know Peach is sort of the I guess the healer, uh, Pauline all around, Daisy is the the physical one and rosaline is the mage <laughs> there you go you got your t- party of four i can see pauline being like the the buffer so like she plays some kind of song um and oh, has like yeah. a band come in and then it raises everyone's everyone's defense and then um she's the yeah, daisy would be like the all-out assault <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh man i want that now it's like all right we got like screw the mario rpgs i want my warrior and the waluigi rpg and i want my princess rpg now <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, I, I am tired of Mario and Luigi. Uh, I, I'm not sure if that's just the last few games they've done, but I feel like that, that concept's kind of tired now. Yeah, it's just like... Paper Jam had a lot of potential, but I just lost it. And Dream, I had fun with Dream Team, but I think that was the the, the breaking point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, ah, they were pleasures. Because here's the thing, I love Bowser's Inside Story, and I'm not excited for the 3DS remake at all. Like yeah, yeah, it's cool that it's coming, but I don't care. <laughs> right, and like Su- Superstar sort of gained something from a remake because that game has such a different style to the other games. Um, but Inside Story, it it, it still kind of has that modern art style. Um, it doesn't have like the, the lighting or, or the shadows of the remake, but it's still it doesn't look drastically different though. Um, so when you compare like the the Superstar Saga to the remake, it's like well, this is like night and day different, but. Um, with this one, I never really felt like it needed a remake. Yeah, not really, not yet, anyway. Uh, and it just, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, it's just. I think it's just to have content on the 3DS, and th- that's a funny thing. I think if I remember correctly, either released the same week or the same day as New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, and yeah, that <laughs> Deluxe is definitely going to just do better than Bowser's Inside Story. Uh huh. Yeah, we're going to have a busy week that time. Um, There are so many games coming out that week. It's ridiculous. Um, I don't even know how we're going to split it up, because even if we all cover a game, I'm pretty sure there's still going to be some games like slipping by us. (laughs) Yeah, because I think there's there's those two games. I think there's Tales of... uh, um, Vesperia. Vesperia, that's coming. And I forget what the fourth one is that would be taking up our time. I'm not sure. I know we're, you know, of course we're getting close to Resident Evil 2 and Kingdom Hearts uh, 3, but I kind of doubt we're going to get sent early copies of those, as much as I'd love yeah. it, <laughs> but just <laughs> probably not going to happen. Um, mm. But, yeah, I just... Mm. We'll see, but at the very yeah. least, yes, more Pauline. <laughs> yes, All <please>. for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the next bit of news we got here is uh, Pokemon Go is adding PvP soon, and they've talked about different leagues and uh, kind of like what you can expect from it, but they haven't talked about the battles yet. They have Neontic has given no indication of exactly how the battles will happen, which likely means tap 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 tap. <laughs> mm, yep, it was very hard to do an update for this because they were tweeting out um, like all the information about this, 
And it took them about an hour to do five tweets. And in those five tweets, they told us absolutely nothing. <laughs> they, t- they told us about the leagues. There's, there's going to be a, um, a great league, an ultra league, and a master league. And each of these leagues um, are going to have like different CP limits. So you can't put like a, a 200 CP Metapod against a 5,000 CP Gyarados. Um, but that's all we know. Like They took five tweets to tell us that. And it took them an hour to put these tweets out. And I was just sitting there waiting... Um, for them to just, just like talk about the combat system because that's what people want to know about, and they didn't even touch it. And you're probably right, yeah. They, it's probably just going to be tap 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 tap. But uh, if it is a bit more like closer to the mainline games, then that's going to be a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. But if it is just tap 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 tap, then I have no idea what, what the point is. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I think that's my biggest thing. Is like, okay, yeah, it's tap 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 tap. I mean, I don't expect them to change the battle system at all or anything like that. But my my biggest question has always been, why? Why do we need P- PvP? I know that's a thing for Pokemon, but what does it, what are they going to have? What's the what's the benefit that we're going to get out of this in Pokemon Go? And mm-hmm. I'm not so sure. Yeah, I don't get it. But, yeah. Mm. Yeah, cause in, in Pokemon games you use different moves, like different elemental attacks. But in 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 Go, like you have different moves, but they they pretty much come down to tap 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 or holding down to tap, um, and they they always unleash like very similar moves. So you can't. There's no there's no real strategic purpose in in Go's combat, um, and I don't know how that's going to work for PvP. Yeah, like, I guess we'll see soon. But I'm just I'm baffled that they they took so long to talk about this and they didn't even talk about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that at all. It's, it's a very strange decision, and to be honest, I find myself kind of falling out of Pokemon Go again. Like I think uh, I, I, no. hit my, I think I've hit my limit. I, I don't know whether it's because Let's Go is now out, and my impetus for trying to get as many Pokemon as possible before that release is now gone, or the fact that it's really freaking cold out. And it's not really exactly. Uh, <laughs> You know, fun to walk out in that kind of weather all the time. So that might be limiting me as well. But it's also just, I I, I played it for a good bit and I had a lot of fun with it. And I'll probably return to it uh, eventually. But like, it was cool when they added Gen Four. But my God, they, it's such a slow rollout that I just and then the, the whole Sinnoh Stone thing. I'm like, well, with as much as I get to go to Pokestops, this is that's not going to happen. So it's just, uh-huh. I don't know. I just I find myself losing interest and pvp is not a way to bring me back to go <laughs> well um masuda did say that there's a chance that mainline entries might have go integration as well hmm. so it, there's a possibility that gen 8 might require you to return to go <laughs> oh boy <laughs> yeah well we'll see uh, well yeah <laughs> Anyway, uh, another thing I've been working on quite a bit this uh, weekend, because it's it's quite meaty, but uh, yeah, Kirby Star Allies, the Wave 3 DLC released on uh, Friday, and yeah, there's a lot to it. However, as expected, that is the last of the DLC uh, for Star Allies, so not going to be adding any more characters, any more modes, anything like that. Like, what we got here with Wave 3, that's it, and honestly, that's fine, because Jeez, they added so much content. Like I, I honestly kind of forgot that Star Allies came out at the beginning of this year, just because they kept supporting it throughout the entire entirety of 2018. And whew, okay, sure. And let me tell you, that last update, there's a lot to it. Uh, it feels like Xenoblade Two, where they just keep updating that game. And I can't keep up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I finished Star Allies, but I don't have time for these updates. There's so much content they're adding to this game. 
Yeah, like it's that's the thing on the base level. It's not a, a ton of content for the other ones. Like there's a lot of Easter egg stuff that you can go through, but it typically boils down to here's new three new runs to go through guest star mode, and you can now have them as partners whenever you're going through the main game. Although that really doesn't happen too often, so not a <laughs> huge concern. So it usually just came down to the guest star mode. But with Wave Three, we got this whole. Uh, Heroes in Another Dimension mode, which is pretty lengthy at about two and a half hours, and definitely difficult. It's definitely the most difficult regular gameplay you'll get in Star Allies, with some bosses that are just can take some hits. Like it, it's like I, I've died to just about every boss once or twice, and it's wow. yeah, and you have to find these uh, enough friend hearts in order to get the three mage sisters as the, uh, the last bit of char- last characters for the game. And they're, they're definitely a lot more strict with these because you mess up on some of these things and nope, you're not going to get it. You're, you missed out on it. Play again. It's, it's pretty punishing. I guess they really took those criticisms to heart. Like, during, during reviews, a lot of people said the game was too easy. So they must have gone, well, <laughs> Here you go. we'll show them what easy is. <laughs> There's always some sort of mode in a Kirby game that, like, okay, here's where we crank up the difficulty. And that's what this one is. And, mm-hmm. yeah, even, there's even a new, like, level of ultimate choice to get through. Uh, it's, like, even uh-huh. harder. So it's like, oh, good. <laughs> this is, this is going to kick my butt. <laughs> so. So do you feel like um, all this added content, do you feel like it makes the game richer than when it came out? Or does it feel like just extra content, like just stuff that you appreciate more after the game? I think it makes it stuff that you... Like, I, liked, I think it, like going through the main game, like having these options for guest, uh, friend, for dream friends could make it a little bit richer uh, just because you have these awesome friends that you can join up with you and they can do different things. But they're also all way more overpowered than any of the standard friends you get. So I think it sort of breaks that. So to me, it's that they definitely work better as extra content, like stuff that you get uh-huh. along the way and get it. It's not it's not like Xenoblade where it's like all quality of life updates where it just plays better and it make, like it makes the game feel richer. This is bonus stuff that you can enjoy afterwards and go again, go through the guest star mode, go through the heroes in another dimension and just you know, just have some fun with these characters. You don't get to see that often. Like it, the, it's a Easter egg paradise when it comes to these guys. <laughs> yeah, and it's all free too, which is crazy. Cause there's there's a lot of stuff they've added to this game. Um, <clears throat> I guess Xenoblade also did a lot of free stuff too, but there's also a bunch of like expansion pass and DLC in that game. Yeah, whereas Kirby just just gives you stuff. It's very generous with all this DLC. Yeah, that's for sure. It's it's pretty impressive and. I, I won't say it's my it's definitely not my favorite Kirby game but I like what I the experience is definitely like I've never come back to a Kirby game this much uh, but thanks mm-hmm. to this DLZ so that's something uh-huh <laughs> yeah it I, I don't think Kirby's gonna win very many game of the year awards but it's just you know it's just a nice fun co-op game um and we don't really have that many sort of co-op side scrollers you know from Nintendo on switch just yet. I mean, obviously Mario's a, uh, a month off, but mm, and we got yeah, Yoshi. You know, this, this is kind of what we have until then, and uh, it's it's just a great little Kirby game. Yeah, it, it really is. So, you know, not too much to really say about it as a whole, but as far as DLC practices, A-OK. Did great. Yeah. <laughs> so here's an interesting one. Uh, I, I'm a backer on Bloodstained, and this has come out as well, but uh, basically uh, Igarashi has tapped 
way forward to assist with the development of Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. So that's supposed to be supposedly coming out uh, next year, but that's a mm, that is a, a good developer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, WayForward's a brilliant developer, but it's it's kind of worrying that they they're assisting with development a year away from launch. Um, I I this, I I've, I think this kind of decision would have come in beforehand. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I I do wonder if Bloodstained is struggling and they need this outside help to finish it. But um, yeah, I, I think WayForward would have been there from earlier on. Like this this doesn't feel like a great sign to me. It's a matter of whether they just joined or they've been helping them on the side uh, in the background, and yeah. they just now announced this uh, type thing. If it's if it's a background thing, it's probably a good thing. Like just uh, get some more help to help finish it or tighten up certain things that you know they're they're particularly good at. Because did did you get a chance to play the the, the demo for Ritual of the Night? A little bit. Um... Yeah, I, I played through the um, Inti Creators game a little bit. I didn't finish it, but I liked what I played. And I played a little bit of the demo for Ritual of the Night, but not not to great lengths. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like it. I like, how, I like how it feels. Art is kind of my biggest problem, though. Like, it looks very grey. And when you, look, when you look back at Symphony of the Night, that game um, used colour very well. Like, it wasn't just all grey castle walls. It, it sort of emphasised everything using, using colour. Whereas, yeah, the demo I played was kind of a bit muted, and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like it to be a little bit more colorful, but I suppose we'll see in time. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, is visually it's a looking a little rough. Not bad, but not, not exactly what you hope for. The mouth movements are a little off, it seems a little unnatural, but combat-wise, gameplay-wise, it feels good. Like, this feels mm-hmm. pretty, like, pretty close to what you want from a metroidvania type game especially from the original one of the original creators like okay this feels good i can see this working but uh i i just need to see the final product and see how it matches up because you know there's this there's this high tier that they they a lot of people feel like if they reach like i feel like a lot of people are going to be comparing this to the best of the castlevania games like symphony of the night aria of sorrow uh order of ecclesia stuff like that and while it does invite some of those comparisons with how their equipment system works and how you can get, use different abilities, it does feel like its own beast. And I think it, I think it might reach up to those uh, heights. Already, I have a feeling it's probably going to be better than some of the other Metroidvania titles in, in Castlevania's history, like uh, Circle of the Moon or Harmony of Dissonance. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is no doubt going to be one of those like lackluster kickstarters because they've already shown that they're properly capable. Um, the Intercreates game alone was great. Uh, I, I guess the only real concern is, is Konami going to do anything with Castlevania? <laughs> um, it feels like they are. It feels like, like any day now they're going to announce a new Castlevania game. And that's just kind of going to spoil a lot of Bloodstained's goodwill. Yeah, but I mean, it could, I don't think it's going to be a situation like Mighty Number no. 9. Where it's like, oh, thank God, Mega Man is back. And actu- actually, because Beck is just a failure <laughs> type thing. Uh, I don't think this is going to be an absolute failure like Mighty Number no. 9 was. I think it'll be at least good. I don't know if it'll be great. That's hard to say. But I think it'll at least be good and enjoyable, uh, which is what people want because it's just it's nice to have that sort of dark atmosphere and whatnot. And I think 
Castlevania needs, you know, Konami needs to really step up their Castlevania game because I, I don't know how well Requiem did, but my God, put something on the Switch, put some sort of collection or game or <laughs> something to take advantage of this interest that people have now thanks to Smash. Like they've allowed yeah. so much content from the Castlevania series into Smash Ultimate, yet there's no game for Switch owners to play. So something, I don't know what, it, I don't care what it is, just a collection of the original games or something. I don't know. I couldn't tell you, but something. <laughs> and you can't even watch the um, the anime on Switch because Netflix isn't on Switch. So <laughs> exactly. you literally just can't do anything Castlevania related apart from Smash. But yeah, yeah the, whole, the whole point of them being in Smash is to kind of advertise the Castlevania IP. And when there's nothing to like latch onto, that's a very big missed opportunity. Um, and I don't think the collection did very well. It, it doesn't seem to have done very well. And I think that's because it, it's it's a collection aimed at enthusiasts, but then the enthusiasts sort of see the the negative sides to it. Like there's there aren't very many impulse buyers for Castlevania, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was quite a bit of bad word of mouth about that collection. Uh, it seemed okay to me, but they, um, I mean, the actual presentation um, of like the the UI and the menus didn't seem to like go over so well. Mm-hmm. I picked it up, but I have not played it myself. Uh, it's- sort of saving it <laughs> for you know mm-hmm. obvious reasons um but uh, i mean i picked it up right away it's i i wanted to support it but i also see why people might not want it because they don't have the original version or their symphony of the night or uh you know it, it definitely comes across as lazy when it just seems like oh it's just the stuff that was in uh dracula x chronicles except for the 3d remake of uh of mm-hmm. uh Rondo of Blood. So that makes it comes across as cheap to a lot of people. Like not a lot of effort was put into. And I, I like I think a legacy collection type game with a bunch of old artwork and design documents and stuff like that included and in, in, and have like Castlevania 1 through 3, Super Castlevania 4, Rondo of Blood uh, and Bloodlines in there. Boom, you have a wonderful collection for people to choose, you know, sink their teeth into. Mhm. Yeah, that's absolutely what it's missing. There's there's no extras in this collection. It's literally Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night. And as, as you say, they're the PSP versions. And uh, yeah, they, they don't have everything the PSP versions had, though, which uh, is a bit of a step back. But yeah, I suppose it's it's the only way to really play Castlevania on a modern platform. Mm. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed they do another collection or at least another game sometime soon. Yeah, that's. I hope so. I'm. I, I'm. I don't have my fix yet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, uh, next bit of news we got here is uh, Nintendo. Uh, more specifically, more specifically, how well they sold over the Black Friday weekend, as Pokemon Let's Go ended up the fourth highest selling product of Black Friday, and the Switch was the third highest selling product of Cyber Monday. So yeah, Nintendo did pretty well <laughs> this holiday season. Yeah. Yeah, and Nintendo even released a PR uh, message saying that apparently the Switch um, sold more than the Wii ever did during the Thanksgiving period, so from wow. uh, from Thanksgiving to Cyber Monday, which is crazy. You know, the, the Wii was huge. Um, I think the Wii did have some supply issues, though, a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but still, either way, that is a, that's a crazy accomplishment. Um, but I, I don't think Let's Go is much, as a, much of a surprise. I mean, both of us have been saying that game's going to sell like crazy. And it seems like it is selling like crazy, so <laughs> you don't that say. is pretty much what I expected for that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently it was just behind God of War, which, again, that's like 
huge Sony property and they're just behind, like, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, too, God of War was ridiculously cheap, whereas um, when you discount a Nintendo game, it's still not cheap. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think like, Let's Go um, was discounted, so... <laughs> it's oh, just... yeah, well, there you go, exactly. Like, yeah, the thing is, a lot of modern games, they go from being $60 and then, like, a month later... They're $20, and I'm sure God of War was around, probably even cheaper than that in some places. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's even games like uh, Fallout 76, which launched at 60 and it was on the PSN store for $40 um, two days after its release, which is crazy. Uh, you must feel terrible if you bought that game at full price. Yeah, I mean, you must <laughs> feel terrible at no matter what, because apparently that game is not good at all. Yeah. Like, I've not looked into it too much, but I've not heard a single good word about Fallout 76. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, same here. Um, quite a funny thing about Fallout 76 is they have this collector's edition, which is $200, and it comes with this bag. And uh, in the press shots they, they sent out, the bag was really high quality. But in the actual product, it was terrible. Like, it was just this really, really cheap bag. Um, but the product they sent to influencers were the press shots, so they gave the influencers these actual advertised bags. But if the people who spent $200 on this game just got this weird... Um, very cheap mock-up. Oh, so yeah, it, it gets worse and worse for this game. Oh no, it, it, it's even worse than that because I did I did hear about that and they you know Bethesda in, uh, issued an apology and decided to they wanted to do something a little for a little for the people who bought it. They send in proof of purchase and all that stuff. They'll give them a little bit of something extra in order to uh, make up for it. Yeah, they give them about five dollars worth of. Credit on the online store in Fallout 76. Like I think it's 900 V bucks, which I think trans- translates to five bucks. So it's like it's like here, kid, go away, don't bother me. <laughs> it's just Jeez. not been looking good. Like you can have Todd no. Howard be as charming as power as possible, but yeah, it's just not going to help. Because remember, people <sighs> kind of. T- I remember even myself turning around on what fall like multiplayer Fallout. That seems to defeat the purpose and whatnot. And it was like, but Tar- Todd Howard, you're charming me so much. So, yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> buying this. And then the game comes out. It's like, nope, all lies. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite things about Fallout seventy six is apparently the um, the physics engine is tied to the frame rate. Oh, and no. if you look down at the ground, which increases your frame rate a lot. Um, your character starts moving faster, <laughs> so um, it, it it just seems broken in so many ways. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I never really understood what it was either. Like all the marketing for this game was live action or CG, um, and I I don't think I've actually really seen gameplay of Fallout seventy six. <laughs> I've seen a little bit, and it seems buggy, which is kind of typical for Bethesda games. So there you go. But mm. also, like the VAT system doesn't work because of it being online. So you, the it's like constantly fluctuating as a character moves so you can't actually get that precision shot that actually takes into account the rpg mechanics because just straight shooting in fallout is not exactly uh good fun <laughs> yeah yeah <that's> it. <laughs> so very good point uh, but yeah. yeah it just kind of but yeah anyway pokemon let's go the switch did very well on black friday <laughs> yeah they did uh you know nintendo keeps their value and all that good stuff but yeah, I mean, good for Nintendo. Uh, do we know how close they are to their 20 million goal? I think they're still quite far off, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if they make it, though. Um, they, we don't know the holiday sales just yet, mm-hmm. but um, basically I think they were around um, 8 million or something like that for the year, and their goal is 20 million. Oof. So they, they need around 12 million more units. But um, I, I think they could probably make it 
Um, the holiday sales will probably get them a couple more million. But then there's also, you know, the uh, from um, from January to, is it March? I yes. think is the end of the uh, fiscal year. Um, and they got like games like Mario U. Mario U Deluxe is going to be huge. Yeah. I, I, pe- I know people are un- underestimating that title, but it will be big. I mean, people It'll underestimated like, let's go. It's like, people aren't going to pick this up. It's like, no, people are going to pick this up. It doesn't matter what we say. <laughs> people like this uh-huh. is Pokemon on the console and tapping into that go market. Po- let's go was always going to do pretty well. Um, yeah, and yeah, the same thing for Mario U Deluxe. People are just gonna pick that up. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't know if they'll don't make un- it. To don't underestimate it. Yeah, like, if you look at um, look at Mario Kart Eight Deluxe, that game is also a Wii U port, and it's one of the best selling games on the Switch. Whereas Mario U Deluxe, that is a new Super Mario Brothers game, and those games do crazy good. Mm-hmm. I was looking at the 3DS software sales the other day. And uh, the top titles were Mario Kart, Mario Kart um, 7, that is. And then under that was Pokemon Sun, Pokemon X, Pokemon Omega Ruby. <laughs> so the three Pokemon games are basically tied for second place. Under that was New Super Mario Brothers, and then Animal Crossing, and then Smash. Well, so guess Animal what Crossing's the- bigger than Smash on 3DS. Yeah, and guess what's all getting released within the next couple of months? Smash, Mar- yeah, uh, New yeah, Super yeah. Mario, and... Well, who knows when Animal Crossing has come out, but if they get Animal Crossing before March, my God. <laughs> I oh, kind of doubt it, yeah. but still. <laughs> yeah. 2019 sounds insane already. Um, like, I guess Metroid Prime 4 is potentially 2019. We don't, we don't know that yet. Um, Bayonetta 3 is also potentially. We don't know that yet, yet either. But yeah, you've got Animal Crossing, you've got Pokemon Gen 8, you've got Luigi's Mansion, you've got Yoshi, you've got, you've got a lot of stuff coming. Mm. Um I think I think 2019 is going to be like absolutely huge. There was there's an analyst uh, I can't remember who it was now. There was there, but there was an analyst the other day who said um, they expect the Switch is going to outsell the PS4, like not lifetime sales, but um, outperform the PS4 in 2019, which I think is very very possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Sony seems to be winding down, and Nintendo's just picking up steam like game after game after game. So if they can keep these hits coming, we're in good shape. And mm. I'm. Super curious about what Smash Ultimate's sales are going to be like because it's been a long time since we've had a Smash game on a system that did, you know, has a huge install base. You could say 3DS, but come on, nobody plays. Like, there's always that thing, like, yeah, I want to have Smash on the go, but that's what Switch is going to do. And I don't think 3DS ever fully captured that idea. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how well it does, especially in relation to Brawl, which, you know, was on the Wii. Yeah, Brawl did 13 million, <clears throat> so I think it can beat Brawl, but it, yeah, it's hard to say, because the, the franchise, while it's you know has a huge fan base, that doesn't always translate to sales. Um, I think Smash Wii U did 5 million, which, you know, that's crazy for the Wii U's install base, but generally speaking, Smash usually does somewhere around 8 million, um, which, you know, that's, that's still ridiculously good, oh, yeah. but... Whether it can be Brawl, I don't know. It's, it's very possible. I and mean, there's a lot of hype going on about this game, so I think they probably could do it. Um, I do fear piracy might interrupt it a bit, though, because people yeah. are sort of being encouraged to pirate it at the moment. Um, with, you know, there's, there's so many Twitter posts showing, like, oh, I'm playing the game now. And then other people are like, oh, I guess I, guess I can play it now. Why wait? And uh, yeah, I, I kind of feel that that probably won't have a huge dent, but it will have a bit of a dent. Mm. Um, and you look on the DS era, piracy was huge. Um, I think I remember hearing um, Pokemon uh, Diamond and Pearl were downloaded like twenty million times, um, which is yes, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. 
So yeah, piracy could maybe... It, it, it sucks that this is an issue on Switch. I, I went into the Switch thinking this would be the system that doesn't have like hackers on Pokemon. I can play online without, without any fears, but... You know, it's going on. It, it sucks, but it is happening. Yeah, Nintendo's trying, and they just keep getting around it. It's just, you know, it's it's tough, and it's it sucks, especially just to, like it happens every. It, it sucks every time it, like it gets hacked and put out there. Like it's like it's. I don't understand the mindset. Like I got this game early. I'm gonna put it online. Mm. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, and Nintendo re- retaliated to a lot of people. Like they they they've taken some channels down. Yeah, um, and. I yeah. can't say I blame them. <laughs> no. <laughs> I I just feel like that's well within their rights because you're 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 pirating their game. <laughs> like there's mm. no excuse beyond it. And like piracy to me is and it's most justified if there's no other easier way to play it. And granted, that's kind of the case right now because it's not out yet, but wait, just wait 2 weeks, 1 week, a few days. It's not going to take long for this game to come out. You can be patient. Mhm. Like when when it's in retail still, then I think you're not entitled to it and you should just wait. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe there are situations like when when the game's 30 years old and it's going for $600 to some guy on eBay. Maybe then there's a circumstance <laughs> yeah. where it, where it's sort of more acceptable, but um, yeah, when the game's a week away, you are not entitled to that. Like, pay for it. Just wait and pay. Yeah, exactly. It's not that hard. Yes, the suck wa- the, the, the the suck waits. The wait sucks. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I hey, I'm I'm holding up. <laughs> I'm playing Kirby until it comes out. I have time to play. Uh, get other <laughs> games done before it comes out. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's plenty more to do. Exactly. But, uh, well, the last little bit of news we got here is uh, something I'm sure near and dear to your heart, John. So uh-huh. the PlayStation Classic uh, has is almost out, I believe. It's, it's at, It has review copies out there, at least. People are reviewing it. And, uh, yep, it's been confirmed that nine of the games on the PlayStation Classic are the PAL versions, which uh, run at 50 hertz because of, I believe, the, uh, the I think it was like power cord st- standards at the time in Europe. I don't fully understand it. You'd be able to explain it more. But yeah, Battle Arena Toshinden, Cool Borders 2, Destruction Derby, Grand Theft Auto, Jumping Flash, Art World, Abe's Odyssey, Resident Evil Director's Cut, Tekken 3, and Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six all use the PAL versions, which... What the hell? (laughs) Yeah, Tekken especially. Tekken is a complex fighting game. We do not need the 50 hertz version. (laughs) Why? Oh, it's it's so weird. And it's it's when they first announced this, I thought they meant you know in in the European versions. I thought the American versions would still have all the American ROMs. But no, this is international. Every single PlayStation Mini has 50 hertz ROMs. Um, Yeah, so basically 50 hertz means that the game runs slower. Um, so instead of 60 frames per second, it would essentially run at 50 frames per second. Um, and this is utterly ridiculous. It was ridiculous at the time. I, I hate going back to like recording older consoles and being stuck with these 50 hertz versions. I've, I've got American variants a lot of, of a lot of consoles just to get out of 50 hertz. Mm-hmm. I've got American PS2 and American SNES. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to play PAL versions. And uh, even Nintendo, they, they released PAL ROMs for a little bit. Like on the Wii, there were some. There were a lot of 50 hertz PAL games, but um, with the Wii U, they they opened their eyes and most of their ROMs were 60 hertz. On the Super Nintendo Mini, on the NES Mini, they're all American ROMs, 
And it was even a selling point. Like in their European trailers, they said like, "Oh, 60 hertz experience," because that that is kind of new to a lot of a lot of PAL gamers, like a lot of European gamers, to get the 60 hertz versions. Because 60 hertz is the definitive version of these games, mm-hmm. um, and it's bonkers to have a mix of 50 hertz and 60 hertz on a PlayStation Classic. But yeah, this thing is kind of a, a train wreck all around. Um, it uses an open source emulator. I think it was uh, PCSX or something like that. Mm. Um, so that it's not even an in-house emulator. Uh, and then the selection is questionable. Like they have, there's a lot of great games on this. Yeah. But I don't think I'll, I'll consider them the best of the PlayStation One. Like, not by a long shot. I mean, even just looking at this list, it's been a while since I've looked at it. But really, Destruction Derby, Rainbow Six, the original Grand Theft Auto. Like Grand Theft Auto didn't become huge until three. That's what you put onto right. a, like a PlayStation Two classic. Skip the original plans of Grand Theft Auto. And I just no, like Resident Evil, good choice. Odd World, good choice. Uh, Tekken 3, good choice, but I don't know. It just seems split, and I was always kind of a little leery about the PlayStation Classic, and now I'm just, nope, I'm not picking it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've always wanted to say, like, pre-order cancelled, and uh, this is actually a literal time where I've, I've cancelled my pre-order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they were really sketchy about this thing, too. Like, they didn't actually announce the, the lineup of games uh, until after pre-orders opened. Um, and yeah, the list is so weird. Like they're missing actual Sony computer entertainment games. There's no Parappa the Rapper. There's no Medieval. There's no Crash. Um, yeah, a lot of their biggest games aren't even on this, and in their place are just some really questionable ones. And yeah, you you said um, about how like GTA on there. Um, yeah, but there's also other games on there which are really questionable, like Twisted Metal One. Uh, Twisted Metal Two is far better. Yeah. I, I don't know why they're going with these like this weird selection. Maybe it's like a nostalgia play, but I think people are more nostalgic for other games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's almost like you know, if you're if you're gonna put a Street Fighter game on there, on there, you're not gonna put it on Street Fighter One. You're gonna put it on Street Fighter Two. Street Fighter One yeah. sucks. <laughs> it's yeah, uh, no, just no. I yeah, mm. just nothing about this game or this thing makes me want to get it. And it makes me appreciate the uh, the NES Classic and Super Nintendo Classic more. Though. Yeah, I mean, man, it, this made uh, those systems make Nintendo look like roses in comparison. Like when your NES lineup is better than your PlayStation lineup, you've something's wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess when you look at the NES Classic and Super Nintendo Classic, um, those systems are very accurate snapshots of what those systems are. Mm-hmm. Those twenty games could arguably that be arguably be the twenty and thirty best games on those platforms. Um, with the PlayStation Classic, though, I, yeah, some maybe of them are the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe five of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, but it is unfortunate, and they, they've got some big players on there. Like they've got Metal Gear Solid, so clearly Konami were game. Mm-hmm. But, but Symphony of the Night, like where's that? Exactly. Um, yeah. I suppose I suppose they're also selling, you know, uh, updated collections of a lot of these games. Like there's a Parappa HD, there's the Castlevania collection. So maybe that's stopping it. But that didn't stop um, Secret of Mana going onto the Super Nintendo. Exactly. So that that Secret of Mana remake was out at that time. Yeah, and there's no. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> I can't even. I can't mm. even put up an explanation for it. It just seemed. Honestly, this just seems like the most half-assed attempt by by I'm sorry, saying Nintendo by Sony. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice to change it for once. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, that's all the news topics we have for this week, but uh, we still have our uh, Patreon topics. And as always, you guys can support us on Patreon Get uh, for just $1 a month. Get these podcasts three days early every Friday, uh, as well as offer up topics like the ones we have here and get access to our VIP room in the Discord. So, yeah, uh, I guess I'll start this week since I think you started last week, John. Uh, so my mm-hmm. topic comes from Brian, who says... Hi there, guys. Let's talk spoilers. Recently, I watched a playthrough of Xenoblade 2 on YouTube. As you know, that game has a story quite unlike any other. I watched the whole playthrough and then bought the game and started my own. The thing is, even though I have seen the whole story, it's not at all in any way limiting my enjoyment of it. Spoilers have never bothered me in games. I'm sure I'm in a... uh, I'm sure I'm in the weird small group here, but I've always had an ability to forget everything about a game, even if I know what's going to happen. What is it about spoilers that kills the experience for most people? And on the other side, why do you think there's people out there like me that can ignore that the, the fact that I know what's going to happen and still get the same experience out of the game? And I thought this was a fascinating question because the key thing about this is that even though I hate spoilers, I hate getting spoiled on things, there has been research that shows that basically spoilers don't actually ruin experiences. Like they, they they've shown that time like for whatever reason there's research out there and it's just it like barely affects enjoyment. Like because you're still excited for that thing, you're still getting to see that thing, and now you actually get to experience it yourself. And I thought that was very fascinating because we do live in a culture like oh no no spoilers, and I still get annoyed by it. People want to experience those things on their own. But here's the thing, at the end of the day, these spoilers still have to stand up on their own. And if you're going to replay a game or rewatch a movie, reread a book, you're going to know exactly what happened. But you also get the ability to look at things that you might have missed. So the advantage in um, Brian's case here with him playing through Xenoblade 2 is that in his case, he can forget about what's coming so he can just sort of enjoy it in the moment. But the fun part about this is that there, Xenoblade 2 is full of little details that hints at future uh, things that happen in that game. And I, I think that's that has a lot of fun to just see how well-crafted a story is. And that's what makes re-watching movies fun, re-watching, uh, re-reading books. Like, you pick up on details you might have missed before. So spoilers are a weird thing where you hate having that first experience ruined for you, but you still have a lot of fun with it. For example, in my case, I had... Uh, an aspect of the final boss in Super Mario Odyssey ruined for me. But when I got to that moment, I still enjoyed the heck out of it. I got teary-eyed and because of just how cool it was and ended up having a really good time. And that's what colors my experience of Super Mario Odyssey now, not the spoiler I received. Yeah, it sucks that things are getting spoiled from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and I wish they hadn't. But I think even if you do get those spoilers, it's not going to affect your enjoyment of that thing. It just sucks that you won't have that pure first experience with it. I think that's the big loss when it comes to spoilers. I suppose on the flip side, is the spoiler the first experience as well, though? Like, I, I, I know it's different, but when you're watching a movie, let's say you're watching The Avengers, and you have the, the ending, the, the big impact, um, you're still learning about it from that movie, and I suppose you're also still learning about it from a spoiler, so that you still have an impact when you read a spoiler. You're like, no way, that happens? Jeez, but like, um, I guess you're, you're still reacting to it, uh, and you're still kind of experiencing it. But yeah, it is different because you're you're experiencing within the context of the movie. You you, you know everything that's going on surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm I'm with you. I don't think a spoiler like ruins something necessarily. Um, like you can read through the Harry Potter books 
and then watch a movie and still have a great time. Like you know exactly what's going to happen, but you're um, the, there's new details, there's there's a new perspective. You're seeing everything going on. Um, I suppose it it just it changes the experience a bit. But yeah, it's it's very hard um, little middle ground to tread there. Because, yeah, spoilers, obviously, they can uh, take a lot away from a moment. But um, it's also equally as surprising as when it happens, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the other thing you hear is that a lot of times with you get spoilers and you don't have the context behind them. And when the con- you get the context, it makes it feel that much more important and fun. And the thing is, I'm not taking away from anybody that hates spoilers and hates getting spoiled because they want that moment ruined. I am still the same way. I'm saying this stuff and I... I'm purposely avoiding anything being revealed about Smash Ultimate. I have not looked at the leaks outside of maybe a few music tracks, but that's it. And I even then, I'm like, okay, I've heard 30 seconds. This sounds awesome. I want to hear it in the context of the game. So it's a small spoiler, but I want that full context, which gives that much more meaning than it had before. And I think that is the key thing here, is that the added context is what makes spoilers not so bad. But... As for his question about what about spoilers that kills the experience for most people, I think it is just that fresh thing. You want to be able to react to it and be surprised. You want that initial shock. And when you don't get it, there's a, you see that moment that could have been a big shock. You're like, dang it, I missed out on that experience, that moment of being like, oh my god. Uh, and Or you, you had that moment of oh my god, but it's not in the setting that you want. And it, I don't know, it feels off. Mm-hmm. I had the, um, the Last of Us board for me. Because I, I didn't play that game when it first came out. I played it a year or so later. And I knew kind of how it was going to end. Like I knew there wasn't really like multiple choices in how it ends. But um, the impact and the, the delivery of how it happens was still very impactful for me. Like, even though I knew what was going on and what was going to happen, um, just the way they executed it was still extremely impactful. So I, I don't think spoiling doesn't necessarily like, ruins a moment, but... Um, yeah, I, I, it's, there's still the surprise factor that's just taken away, though. Mm. I think that's the biggest loss, is that you want that surprise in the proper context. And, I mean, just even, for example, uh, Dragon Ball Super has a new movie coming out uh, based on Broly, and they've been putting out trailers, and a lot of people have been speculating about a certain thing happening, like they expect it to happen, um, just because of the way certain things have aligned and all this other stuff. And then... Uh, Toei put out a, apparently put out a new trailer. I've not watched it myself, but I, I am aware of what this spoiler is, and it sucks. But I'm still I still really want to see the movie. Um, but basically confirming what everybody was uh, talking about. So everybody is like fan theorizing, and then a, a trailer comes out and actually confirms it. It's like, oh, well, I kind of wanted to see my fan theory get solved in the theater, not in a YouTube video waiting for it to come mm-hmm. out. It's it's a weird thing. Yeah. Well, you're right. You you've kind of already had it spoiled for yourself because you know what's coming. But the fact that you see it in a trailer aspect and not the movie aspect, I think, is what kind of deflates it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like it when uh, the companies themselves spoil. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we talked about last week, there's a Xenoblade trailer, where right at the end, you hear a voice. And it's, it's such a spoiler. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, if, if you read that in a tweet, then, um, I mean, I guess it, you know, it, it's still a spoiler, but you're not, you're not experiencing the moment for yourself. Whereas in a trailer, you still kind of are. Um, yes, yeah, so I hated when when Nintendo did that, and uh, so I, can, I think it's kind of on the responsibility of the um, the distributor to um, to like hint towards aspects, but never outright 
deliver them within the trailer. Mm. Like, that's just that's something you don't do. I mean, look at Infinity War. They made it a huge point for people not to spoil that movie and keep the surprises intact. And I think that made for a stronger thing where everybody was just... Like because it wasn't spoiled, everybody was talking about it. It is a huge moment. And they here's the crazy thing. Avengers Part Two or Infinity War Part Two comes out in May. There's still not a trailer for it. But they know yeah. everybody's excited for it. They don't need to advertise it. So I think we're probably only gonna get one, maybe two trailers next year, and that's it. And that's all they need. Mm-hmm. It was quite funny. The uh, um Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald. Uh, in the in the premiere, there was also like a, a Thanos style um, social media post saying like don't like t- um, post any spoilers, and I don't think anyone wanted to post spoilers about that movie. <laughs> yeah, that, I didn't see a single spoiler for that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, not enough people cared, <laughs> so it can go either way. So yeah, I get it. I don't want to be spoiled about anything either, but I think it doesn't matter too much in the end because you're still going to be re- rewatching it, seeing that again and again and you love those moments anyway so Mm -hmm. yeah like I know Aerith is going to die but it's still a beautiful moment (laughs) that's a good point yeah Uh, I'm pretty sure anyone who's never played Final Fantasy 7 before um, and is planning to do so on Switch they know Aerith is going to die it's it's such common knowledge but yeah that moment is still very impactful Mm -hmm. so yeah I I think that still holds up yep absolutely well uh, what's your topic John well, my topic comes from Harry Milner, who says, Hey GX, with Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee causing a lot of split opinions in the fandom prior to release and even after release, do these games, um, sorry, do these kinds of controversies affect your opinions on certain games? Um, yes, you know, we are human, we have our own opinions, um, and yeah, they, they do sometimes. Uh, I think sometimes um, you just sort of like what you like, and other times you don't, you just don't like that. Um, with, but I think you, we also try to be maybe a bit more uh, open-minded to some games. Like when you're when you're reviewing something, I don't think you can really let your own biases get in the way too much. Um, so if if Nintendo released a Pokemon game that I didn't like, I think I'd have to just be open-minded and go in and try and enjoy what is there. Um, but if what is there I just doesn't appeal to me, then in that case, I'd probably give it a bad review. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of aspects to that, because um, yeah, we are we are a human. Sometimes you just don't like things. Um, with with Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu, I think there is still enough there to um, that that doesn't bury the core game. Like this, this is still very much a Pokemon game. It's just they've changed our catching works. Um, and I get some people don't like that, but when you when you look at it, there's there's not really that much that that's really that different. Um, so in this case, with with the Pokemon scenario, I, I I think some people might just need to be a bit more open minded about these games. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like you, it's good to be as a reviewer to go in as open minded as possible to have that objectivity before you play the game. Once you play that game, though, your object your objectivity goes out the window, and that's where the biases start coming in because now you're playing it, now you have experience with it, and now you get, you're forming your own opinion, and that is purely your opinion, what you are getting out of that game. And uh, you, if you haven't played it up to that point, it's hard to have like to, uh, to have a solid opinion on it. Maybe you can see enough; you can decide that's not for me. But that's still, you know, that's that's completely your choice. And as far as these kind of controversies affecting my opinion on certain games, I try not to let it. Like, it, it takes a lot for me to feel 
a little you know upset about it like the whole change with pokemon let's go didn't affect me much because i'm like okay i see where they're going for here not sure about this change but hey the other aspects actually have me pretty excited for it so i'm willing to check it out or in the case of xenoblade chronicles x there was this huge kerfuffle about the fact that they got rid of the uh breast size slider in <laughs> in the character creation which I like when that's something I reported on because I happened to have played the Japanese version and then played the US version like wait a second there's something missing here just cuz I enjoy playing if I have a character creator and no romance options I usually make a female character and <laughs> I noticed that I was like huh well let me report on that and then it blew up it was like how dare Nintendo take this away and it's just like, oh, God, just, no, I don't care. Just play the game. The game is good. Just shut up about it. <laughs> and it's, it's like the, yeah. it's those type of minor things. But on the other side of the things, you look at the working hours for Red Dead Redemption 2 and all that stuff. And that, that it's hard not to let that affect you if you don't agree with those practices and mm-hmm. stuff that, like, just makes you uncomfortable. So you have – it really is just a case-by-case basis but on the, on, I think it's good to acknowledge those things if it does bother you, but still try to give an honest opinion uh, on how you feel about the game as a whole. Uh-huh. With, with Xenoblade 2, um, I absolutely adore that game, but I, I can't say I'm 100% comfortable with uh, with Mithra and Pyra's costumes. <laughs> um, it's just it's just awkward when you're playing and like someone walks in and is like, oh, what are you playing there? And it's just, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Especially there's, there's, some, like, there's some scenes where they completely pander towards that like early on there's a scene where pyra's breasts i like, take up the entire shot um yeah. and yeah in in that in that instance like i i still i, I appreciate the game uh, and i can look past all that stuff and uh, the the sexualization of pyra and mithra doesn't ruin it for me but um it is still something in the back of my mind at times um and you know they, they, actually, they actually do kind of address that because mithra's got a new costume that's coming out was um in an update mm-hmm. And if anything, it's it, like, if anything, it's more sexy. Like it, it, it's not like over sexualized, but they've um, they've just made her look like more appealing, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I th- um, I th- isn't it based on the look of her spirit in Smash Ultimate, like where it has black? It coming is up? yes. They, they've given her tights, and they've um, they've gotten rid of the gap in her chest plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that looks. I saw that design. I was like, yeah, that's fine. That works for me. I have no issues with that. Yeah, it's covering up things, but whatever. Like it does, yeah. In, in that instance as well, the um, the actual character designer of Mithra redesigned that. It's not just some person at Nintendo censoring it. Um, and I was looking at the tweets. I translated a lot of Japanese users, and people in Japan love this redesign. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what it is, but uh, there's like a lot of angry English people, and then the, all these Japanese tweets are like, "Oh yes, I love those tights." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're losing out on the cleavage cl- crowd, but then all of a sudden you got the tights crowd, and it's like, okay, we kind of balance this out. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Games are weird. But yeah, um, but back on topic though, like um, yeah, so I I would I'd still give Xenoblade Two a great review uh, if I did review it, but um. But yeah, that kind of stuff would bother me, but I wouldn't let I wouldn't let it uh, affect my overall opinion. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, as I said, I think it's only bugs me if it's like affects my enjoyment of the game entirely. Like if it, it did bother me that much and it lowered my score, I'd have to mention it and say they're getting a little too over sexualized with this sort of thing, and it's just not makes me uncomfortable, and I don't want that or that sort of thing. Um, 
I had I actually the the biggest time I got that that feeling from a game is actually with Kane and Lynch too, and as many people. That was always the lowest score I gave something because it was like uh, it seems like an interesting enough game. I missed out on the first one, so let's let's check out this one. It's just this gross, unpleasant game, and I just I ended up hating it. And yeah, it just was not for me. And there are some moments in there it's just like kind of just like uh, repulsed by. So I can mm-hmm. definitely see that playing into reviews. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is an aspect sometimes. Like if if it actually doesn't like if you're not enjoying it anymore because of these these things that affect your opinion, then it's it's bad. Cuz you know, reviews are someone's opinion. They're not they're not the definitive uh analysis of a game. It's just some, if someone liked it or not. Um and people like things for different reasons. And I I think it's good for reviews to be different as well. Mm-hmm. Um if 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 a review just has 9.5 scores across the board, like everyone's given it a 9.5. Then I think maybe there's something going on here. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's great to have different opinions of a game. I think. Mm-hmm. Like I might be repulsed by that thing in Kane and Lynch too, but a fan of like Grindhouse films would be like, "Yeah, that's totally my aesthetic. That's what I want to see out of a game." It's cool that they're appealing to that aspect of it. it. This is for me. So it's it's how it's why like we have the, our rating system because it's impossible to have a definitive score. This is just how we feel about a certain game. And I, I'm very appreciative that we changed that. Yeah, yeah, I like it a lot too. <laughs> Not to use our system there, but um, it, I think lots of games across different genres don't necessarily uh, work with the same scores. I, I don't think very many puzzle games are going to get nine out of tens, um, whereas a shooter probably will get a nine out of ten just because they're very different experiences. Mm-hmm. But I think we can give a puzzle game a liked a lot and give an open world adventure game a liked a lot. And they mean they, they mean different things within the context of the genre, but they're also the same score. Um, and it's it's just way easier. It's like you're telling a friend, like, oh yeah, I like this I like this game a lot. I love this game. I just think that that kind of system works better for me. But um, you know, some people f- prefer numbers, and that's absolutely their opinion as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's an interesting topic. So it's it's always fun. Like it's aspects you have to you don't realize you have to think about. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. as, you, as you're going through but yeah well thank you very much uh, Brian and uh, Harry for your topics and as always uh, thank you guys so much for supporting us on Patreon and I think that about covers it for episode 124 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast so thank you for listening and of course if you want to support us on Patreon yourself you can uh, always just uh, jump on there and uh, it's only $1 a month get these podcasts three days early every Friday should be a lot more common for that now with uh, Smash Ultimate discussions coming to an end pretty soon and uh, yeah get the uh, be able to ask questions like these and access to our VIP room in our Discord so yeah Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for episode 125. Till then, bye.